welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Well, we've already asked it a few times, but how many of you thankful to be in church this morning? Amen. And um, I'm happy to be here. You know, I'm so thankful for church. I don't know where I'd be without church. Amen. And putting in the effort to come to church. Amen. I mean, we have online. Online's great if you can't be here. That's why we have it. But there's, there's something about being in the room. When you're together of pe- with people of like precious faith, lifting up the name of Jesus. And um, for those of you who don't know who I am, if there's, uh, for those of you who are new today, uh, my name is Dominic. And yeah, I am a Rama ordained minister now. That's pretty cool. Woo! <laughs> that, was, that was a really, really awesome experience. And I'm so glad we went for camp meeting number 50. Wow, 50 years of camp meeting. You know, it was at camp meeting that uh, Brother Hagen said that we're going to start a school. And they started it six weeks later. And they had no idea probably what they were doing. <laughs> As uh, his grandson said, yeah, he just blurted out that we were going to start a school. And uh, we just started a school. And 50 years later, they're still going strong. Amen. But did you know if he wasn't led to have camp meeting, he never would have said that? See, there's, there's purpose to meetings. There's purpose. You might not get what you're going to get in a meeting at home. And you're like, well, all that matters is my personal relationship with God. Yes, it's number one priority, but if he established the church for a reason, amen? amen? I mean, it was his idea, not man's idea. He's the one who established the church. So it's just good about being in the room because you can get things in the room you can't get anywhere else. Did you all enjoy fun month this month? Uh, Wasn't that great? From the baptism to the worship Sunday to family fun day, even though we got drenched, I think we all got baptized on family fun day. Um, But it was so good. It was so fun. Thank you for uh, everybody who helped, um, especially uh, Kelly uh, Cunningham. She did such a great job. Um, behind the scenes orchestrating all of it and all the staff did such a, such a great job and all the helpers, thank you, thank you so much. I gotta make fun of Sean Kennedy. Uh, can you raise your hand for a second, Sean? Everybody who doesn't, no, you don't wanna raise your hand? Okay. Um, well, he's like, so last Sunday at Family Fun Day, he's like, so you're going on vacation? I'm like, well, I mean, I guess it's not really a vacation, you know, we're going to camp meeting in Tulsa. Oh, Tulsa? So you're going to hell? And I'm like, and I'm like, well, I'm getting ordained, so I hope I'm not going to hell to get ordained. But then guess what? Tuesday, it was 108 degrees down there. And I said, Sean Kennedy, you spoke that into existence. I'm over here drenched in sweat, getting baptized in my own sweat. And I blamed Sean the whole time. I was like, this is Sean's fault. I looked at the app, weather app. It was way hotter there than here. It was like 93. And I'm like, oh, it can't be hotter than in Vegas. Oh, no, way hotter than in Vegas. So, Sean... I'm still working on forgiving you for that. 
<laughs> All right, let's turn in our Bibles to Hebrews 4. I think this is my last message on favor, um, but we'll find out. I only got through one point last time, so we're going to try to get through points two and three today. But Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. How many of you need mercy? And find grace. How many of you need grace? That's, that's the uh, same word can be favor there. So that we may obtain mercy and find favor to help in our time of need. Amen. And as I've mentioned quite a few times, how are we supposed to come to the throne? Boldly, not timidly, not fearful, but boldly. And we were, when we were at camp meeting, as she said, I got ordained. And, you know, the enemy will just try to put things into your mind, right, that aren't true, but to try to get you to believe on that. So I think it was, maybe it was Tuesday or Wednesday, I can't remember, I'm thinking to myself, man, I kind of feel out of place a little bit. You know, all these people went to school here. Um, everybody seems to know everybody there. And I'm like, you know, I'm kind of the new guy, you know. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, because I was feeling inadequate to be ordained. Like, I'm ordained, but, right? I'm ordained, but I didn't go to school. I'm ordained, but I don't know many people there. And the Lord corrected me <laughs> and spoke to me, but encouraged me, actually, more encouraged than corrected. He said, think of the new birth. And I said, okay. And he said, when I look at you, do I look at you as a lower-class son than Jesus? And I said, no. Even though you're adopted, as the Bible said, because we're all adopted children. Jesus was the only begotten, but because we put our faith in him, we become children through adoption, amen? And he said, aren't you just as much my son as Jesus? Even though you didn't pay the penalty, even though he did, but every time I see you, it's like I see him. And I said, that's true. And he said, you're just as much as an ordained minister as they are because you have the piece of paper, amen, so to speak. But I'm just as much a son, you're just as much a daughter or a son as Jesus is to God, amen? So don't let the devil try to tell you um, you're inadequate, that you don't measure up, that you're second class. No, 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 no. When God sees you, he sees somebody who's just as much the, his child as Jesus. Amen? Man, that's the power of the blood of Jesus. Amen? All the old things are passed away. All things have become new. All right, so question. Will you get the favor? Will you get the grace? Will you get the mercy if you decide not to go to the throne? Put, put the scripture back up there, verse 16. 
So it says, let us come therefore boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain. So if we don't go to the throne of grace, will we obtain the help we need? No, we won't. Is that God holding out on us? Is that God holding back? No, what, what's our part coming to the throne? That's like if somebody invited you to their house and you have access to their house, but you never knock on the door and go in. Is it their fault that you didn't come into the house? No, they gave you access to their house. Whose fault is it if they don't go into the house? Us, right? It's the same with God. We have 24-7 access to his throne. Hello, that's like the best place in all of eternity, existence, everything. That's the best place to go and we have unlimited access to it. Another way to put it is we have not because we ask not. We have not because we ask not. How many of you have lacked in asking recently? And I'm looking at me too. We have not because we ask not. And so how do we do this? We don't want it to be like a once every other week type of thing, right? We need to make this a daily habit that we do. A daily habit. Do you know Jesus constantly went and prayed by himself to the Father? Did you know it was his habit? It was his discipline? Amen? Did you know that the Garden of Gethsemane, that wasn't a place where he just went right before he was going to um, go through all the terrible things he did? How did Judas know he was going to be there? Think about it. How did Judas know he was going to be there? He went there often. That was his place with God. That was his disciplined place where he prayed to the Father, where he would go away whenever he was in the area. That's where his prayer closet, so to speak. Do you have a prayer closet where you go to? I mean, think about it. In his time of most uh, temptation, in his most agony, he went to the place where he was comfortable being with God the most. We need to have that place ourselves. I don't know where it is. Maybe it's in the car. Maybe it's in your closet, literally. Maybe it's in your kitchen. I don't know. Maybe it's a place up in, on the monument. I don't know where it is, but find that place where it's like you and God. Man, that's our spot. That's my go-to. That's my habit. That's my discipline. Because th- think about it this way. You're always going to need help. <laughs> You're always going to need mercy. Oh, somebody say amen to that. (laughs) And we're always going to need grace as long as we're in this life. So let's continue on the subject of the favor of the Holy Spirit. So let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 1. And we're going to read through verse 4 and then jump to 14. So this happened on the day of Pentecost where they were all doing what Jesus told them to do. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait to be endowed with power. And so they're doing what they're told. So in in Acts 2.1, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. 
So if they, were, if they weren't there, would, would have this happened? No. If they didn't do what Jesus told them to do, would this scripture be in there today? No. No, it wouldn't. Verse two, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Jump down to verse 14. It says, but Peter... But Peter, standing up with the eleven, he raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and heed my words. And he went on to preach one of the greatest sermons ever recorded. So we're just going to call this message the favor of the Holy Spirit part two. All right, I tried to come up with a fancier thing, but I'm like, well, I didn't really get through the whole message last time, so we're just going to call it part two. I'm going to do some review, but I don't want to just preach the same thing and then be like, oh, I ran out of time. So I'm going to do some review, but then um, to get all of it, please go back and watch the, the archive if you haven't listened to it or listen to it again, right? Um, rep- repetition will never hurt us. Um, and that's available on our website or our YouTube channel. All right, so who is the Holy Spirit? Answer, he is not Junior Jesus. (laughs) I said that last time. He is not Junior Jesus. He is not um, second rate. He is God. Come on, we believe in the Trinity here in this church that God is three, yet he's one. Amen, we got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is God. He was actually there from the very beginning in Genesis 1. He is there orchestrating the whole thing. Um, of creation. So the Holy Spirit to us believers, not to the world, right? But to us believers, he is the ultimate and the best gift God the Father has and will ever give to us. Amen? He is the best gift that God will ever give to us. He is the pinnacle of God's favor on our lives. The Holy Spirit is the enabler of all the other favor messages I've preached. He is what separates us from the people of the world. He is what separates us from other religions. He is God. He is God. Say, he is God. God. And did you know if you're a Christian, he's living on the inside of you? So that means you have God living on the inside of you. That's why we can say greater is he who's in me than he who is in the world. Why? Because you have God, G-O-D, living on the inside of you. Who's bigger than God? No one. one. That was about 25% of you. Who's bigger than God? No one. No one. So um, no wonder the devil has tried to keep the church, and I'm not saying this church in particular, but the capital C church as a whole, um, fighting and bickering and divisive over the Holy Spirit and his role, the Holy Spirit and his gifts. Why? Because he enables us to live victoriously in this life. No wonder there's been so much uh, division about the Holy Spirit for decades and decades. But I can tell you what, there's like a shift happening. Um, 
I don't know about denominations, but non-denominational churches, most of them now believe in being filled with the Holy Spirit. And all the things we've believed for many, many years, it's like, it's starting to shift. There's starting to be more unity in the subject than division. And I think people have had enough living in defeat. I'm just gonna be honest, amen? People are tired of getting walked on and they're actually reading their Bible and being like, whoa, I'm an overcomer? God is in me and he's greater than all? How can I lose? I have not because I ask God. You mean I can ask for things according to the will of God and they'll be done for me? I can speak to things and things will change? What? Come on, that's called revelation, right? It's not just knowledge, it's revelation knowledge starting to come out to the church. Um, so we're gonna continue talking about the favor of the Holy Spirit, specifically through the life of Peter. Peter, and um, I'm not gonna reiterate, but I went through a list of about 10 things that Peter did wrong. And it really pumped us up to know we're not complete failures. You know, like if that was ever a thought in your mind, man, you just look at the life of Peter and you're like, wow, that guy messed up big time. Um, I don't think I've messed up that much, but uh, you know, we, we encouraged each other through his mistakes and I'll probably get talked to about that later when I get to heaven. He probably won't like that very much. But you know, Peter is a great example of somebody who went from zero to hero. Maybe you're in here today and you feel like a zero. Maybe you're in here today and you just messed up royally this week. I'm telling you what, if Peter can go from zero to hero, you can go from zero to hero in a moment. In a moment. Why? Well, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I just might. Because of who? The Holy Spirit. Amen? So here in Acts 2.14, he's about to give one of the greatest sermons ever preached, ever recorded. I mean, 3,000 people got saved. That's pretty good. Um, that's a pretty big altar call. You know, like there's a con there was some conviction, there was an anointing, there was um, favor, there was power in his words to convince 3,000 people that they needed to be saved. Amen? But... He didn't start out there, you know? He didn't start out there. I think a lot of times, especially in the age of social media, we see people um, after they've gone through all the stuff that they didn't post on social media. We see their highlight reel. <laughs> we don't see what their life was like in the trenches, getting them up to that point. Amen? Whether it be a... Um, you know, a, a celebrity, a political figure, a minister, um, a singer, whoever it is, whoever um, we admire, they didn't start out there, right? So a lot of times we need to stop comparing ourselves if we're in the trenches and we're um, in the heat of battle and we're not a, to where um, we need to be yet, we shouldn't compare our status to where we are to where they are, Amen. We shouldn't do that. We should just stop comparing ourselves to people, period. Because our stories are all different. Right? For example, ministry-wise, some people start churches in their 20s. Some people, 30s, 40s. Do you know Kenneth Hagin was 55 years old 
when the first camp meeting started. 55, and that was when his ministry really took off. 55 years old. We, see, when we think of his life, we think of his life from 55 on. But in our minds, we think it's his whole life. Right? Because he, he stopped pastoring in 1950, and first camp meeting wasn't until 2000, or excuse me, 1972. And uh, Pastor Hagen even talked about it. Those years between that time, 22 years, he says was not easy. It was not easy. He said they were broke. Um, he talked about a little house they lived in that was probably this big, this, this side of the stage and how they had rollaway beds and all that. And he said it wasn't easy. See, but when we think of somebody like Kenneth Hagin, we think of all the highlights, right? All the people getting saved, the auditoriums filled. But it took a big portion of his life to get to that point. We need to not be in a hurry. Now, I think we're in a time of acceleration, but still, God works the same way, seed time and harvest. Not throw it in the microwave and put it in for 30 seconds and there you get your popcorn, right? We have to be patient. Patient. Somebody say patient. Patient. Oh, your flesh was like, I saw some people jolt on that. They were like, oh gosh, patient. Patience. Patience. So my first and only point that I got to on my last message was this. The Holy Spirit can turn any person from a failure into a winner. Amen? I mean, we could shout about that all day. We could shout about that all day, how God can turn us from failures into winners. Like I said before, maybe you've made some mistakes. Actually, (laughs) I know for sure y'all have made some mistakes. I've made mistakes. But let's not let our mistakes define who we are. Let's not let our mistakes define who we're going to be. Let's look at what the word says who we are, that we are new creatures in Christ, that the old has passed away, that we are more than overcomers. We are more than conquerors. We are loved by God where no height, depth, no angel, nor demon, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Amen? I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what you've done. He can turn it around. Amen? Say, he can turn it around. He can turn it around. Say, God can take me from being a zero to a hero. Zero to hero. A new creature in Christ that is a winner. A winner. A winner. Stop looking at yourself as a loser. You are not a loser. Amen? You're a winner. Just how the devil was trying to convince me, like, oh, you're not really, like, you're an ordained Rhema minister, but you're not really an ordained Rhema minister. No, I am. I am. Just how you're a son and daughter of the Most High God. You are that. Doesn't matter what you feel, doesn't matter what the devil tries to tell you, because at the end of the day, he's just jealous that he'll never be that. Amen? He's a jealous guy. 
He's a jealous, ugly guy. That's what he is. He's jealous, he's ugly, he doesn't fight fair, but we got the victory over him, amen? All right, this is my second point. That didn't get to you last time, all right? This is my second point. We're finally here. Only took a month to get here, but we're here. All right, the Holy Spirit will empower you in any circumstance. The Holy Spirit will empower you in any circumstance. I guess I'll say it one more time because three is a good number. The Holy Spirit will empower you in any circumstance. Okay? Why can the people on the praise team get up and do what they do? Because they're empowered. Why, how can Lou play the keys? How can Brian play the drums? How can Nikki sing? How can Tim play the, all of them. How can they do what they do? Is it because of what they did? Or it's because of who's empowering them, right? The gifts that God gave them. Now we have to develop those gifts, right? But without the gifts, there's nothing to develop. He's empowered us. The reason Peter was able to stand up and give one of the greatest sermons ever preached was because he was empowered of the Holy Spirit. Tell me how he can go from denying Jesus to preaching one of the best sermons ever preached in a span of 50-ish days? Does that even make sense? What? I mean, he wasn't even considered an, a, a disciple after that until Jesus restored him. And we talked about that in the last message at the end of the book of John, how Jesus restored him. So he was empowered by the Holy Spirit and it was exactly what he needed, check this out, at that moment. At that moment. You see, he needed empowered to give a great speech that day. Later on in the, the book of Acts, he needed empowerment to raise up a man at the gate called Beautiful. Did he need empowerment to preach a great message at that moment? No. Sorry, at the gate when he lifted up the guy, right? He didn't really preach at him. He said a few words and lifted him up. He needed empowerment to lift that guy up. What about later? It wasn't um, empowerment to heal somebody. It wasn't empowerment to preach. Later on in the book of Acts, he had a vision that the gospel would now belong to the Gentiles. See, the Holy Spirit will empower you for the specific circumstance that's needed. Amen? So we cannot look, I think a lot of times we get um, caught up in he did it this way last time, so he's gonna do it again that very same way this time. He doesn't like to do it that too often. Did you notice that? I mean, just look at Jesus. I mean, one moment, he's flinging fish and bread all over the place to the people. The next moment, he's spitting in people's eyes. I mean, the next moment, he's walking on water. I mean, the Holy Spirit likes to have fun. I think sometimes we're the ones that don't like, they're like, oh gosh, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know. But he likes to do things the way, what? He likes to do it. The question is, is are we going to be a willing vessel? So, and you've, if you've been coming to this church for a while, you've heard this. Did you know God is done doing all the work he's going to do? You do know that, right? He's like sitting down right now, chilling. 
God the Father and God the Son, I should say. Holy Spirit is now working, working in us. But God the Father has done everything, and Jesus has done everything that he's going to do because he said it is finished. It is finished. So, guess what? God the Father sat down. Jesus is at his right hand. Whose job is it to take up the mantle? Whose job is it to do the work? Ours, right? You better raise your hand and be like, me. 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 It's our job to do the job. It's not God. God already did everything he's going to do. It's our job. But guess what? He didn't leave us alone. He's, we got the Holy Spirit on our side. He empowers us to make the difference in the world. He empowers us to bring change to circumstances. He empowers us to get people saved. Amen? Not even angels can do that. It's our task to do that. See, he is the Holy Spirit. I'll just say God. God is the ultimate example of empowerment. Have you noticed God's not really a good micromanager? Will he make you do anything? Even though he tells you to do it? Will he make you do it? No. He empowered you to fulfill what he told you to do. If you don't do it, that's your fault. Now, eventually, he'll probably have to find somebody else to do it. But he empowers us to do it. He's a delegator. He's a delegator. And he, isn't that awesome about God is he didn't have to choose to do that. He could do everything by himself, right? Everything. There's no lack of power. There's no lack of anything with God. But he chose to empower us to fulfill the job. Isn't that honorable? That he chose us to be a part of his plan? See, we got to remember that, like, when we're on the job, when we're, when we're doing what we're called to do, when we're serving in the church, that he doesn't have to use us. It's not something that we have to do, right? It's something that we what? Get to do. Like Rachel said with that, that uh, um, splash of a, of a comment, you know, you might be serving money if you go to work when you don't feel like it Monday, but when you feel the same way on Sunday, you choose not to go. Now, I get it. There's evil forces that don't want you coming to church, right? Sometimes it's just a little bit extra like, I ain't going. I don't want to go. And you're like, where did that come from? And you're like, what? It used to happen to me a lot as a kid. I don't know. I was like, I don't want to go. I don't want to do that. I'd rather stay here and watch TV because that's profitable, you know? Like, but how many know you're empowered to take authority over that and tell your body who's boss, right? Amen? I'm getting a little stern this morning. Y'all okay? Y'all okay? Cool. This was, um, I got this, this phrase, and this was worth you coming down to church today right here. We aren't just spirit-led. We are spirit-empowered. We emphasize a lot of the leading of the spirit, which is great. We need to learn that, right? But you know we're led to do something. 
right? We aren't just led to just then sit on the couch and do nothing. We are led to do what he's leading us to do. It's not just enough to be led by the spirit. You have to be empowered by the spirit. Because guess what? His leadings, pastor has said it, his leadings are empowerments. His commands are enablings. He'll never tell you to do something that he's not already given you the power for. So it's not enough just to be led by the spirit, but we need to be obedient to the leading, right? And know that if he's leading you to do something, the power is right there for you to do it, right? All right, Tim and Tina. Yes, that's you, yeah. Um, You're on the altar team today, right? So when you come up and you pray for somebody, is that just you doing it? No, of course not, right? But you're empowered to do that. And see, when you get a leading, like if you're praying for somebody or a word of knowledge and you're led on that, you are empowered to speak it out. Amen? It's not just how many... I've been led to do a lot of things that I haven't done. Anybody else agree with, uh, can say that? (laughs) That you've been led to do something and you haven't done it? And I'm like, oh, Lord, mercy, Lord, mercy. I'm like to the throne of grace right there. I'm like, Lord, forgive me. Give me another chance. Give me another opportunity. I was afraid of what man would think. Forgive me. See, it's not enough just to be led. We have to be We have to recognize, excuse me, that we're empowered to fulfill the leading. Amen? I'm gonna even prove it to you. Okay? Ephesians 2. And I'm gonna be reading this thing out of the uh, Amplified Classic. Uh, Most of us probably don't have an Amplified Bible. If you do, you're probably a woman because there's a a lot of words in there. And yeah. It makes, it makes a regular Bible like four times the size of what it should be, man. It's, but there's a lot of good stuff in the Amplified. Ephesians 2.8, it says, for it is by free grace, and what is that? God's unmerited favor that you are saved, all right? So it's by grace that you are saved, delivered from judgment, oh, thank you, Lord, made partakers of Christ's salvation through what? Your faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving. Could we earn salvation? No. But it is what? A gift of God. It's God's gift to us. Not because of works, not the fulfillment of the law's demands, lest any man should boast. So he did it this way so we couldn't say, I got myself to heaven. None of us can do that. None of us can do that. It's only by, by grace through faith. It is not the result of what anyone can possibly do so no one can pride himself in it and take glory to himself. Why? Because the glory belongs to God. But a lot of times we stop there. 
We shout, we praise, we're like, woo! We're saved by grace through faith. Come on, it's free gift. Thank you, Lord. And we stop there. You know, that's not the end of the book. It's not even the end of the chapter. It's not even the end of the thought. What's verse 10 say? For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship. And I highlighted this. We are recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do what? Do those good gifts which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time. Do you know you, your life has been planned out? That doesn't mean you fulfill that plan, right? You have to choose to fulfill that plan. Taking past that, we, that he prepared ahead of time, that we should do what? Walk in them. Can you guys see it up there? Yeah, that we should walk in them, living the good life. Woo! Which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Woo! Is anybody else excited or is it just me? See, you were created, should I say recreated, to do something. To do what? To do the good works that he predestined for you to do. And if he predestined you to do them, that means you have the empowerment from the Holy Spirit to do them. So when the Holy Spirit leads you to do those things that God already planned for you to do, you have the empowerment to do them. In his mind, it's already a done deal of you, of you accomplishing what he's telling you to do. That's easy to walk in if it's a little thing. But how many know all the big things are in there too? Hmm? Careers, career changes, who you're going to marry, um, where you're going to live if you move. All the big things, but all the little things too. Like witnessing, and I'm not saying this little, I'm just saying things that we probably take little less time to to dwell on if it's the will of God or not. It's the will of God that we witness to people, right? But the little thing, like, like just saying a word of encouragement to that person at the grocery store or full-blown witnessing to the waitress or the waiter, right? If he's leading you to say something, know that he's empowered you to do it. He's not gonna leave you out there hanging. If he calls you out to the water, He's going to let you walk on the water like Peter did. Wouldn't that be terrible? I'd be, I'm so glad I'm not Jesus. Man, if I was Jesus, I'd say, Peter, come up here. And as soon as Peter got two steps, just bam, like, I'd be like, ha, gotcha. Like, I'm so glad I'm not Jesus, man. That'd be such a cruel joke, you know, like Peter's out there in the waves, like, ha, help me. But he called him out and he didn't leave him hanging, Right. It was Peter who took his eyes off Jesus that caused him to sink, not Jesus, right? Jesus didn't cause Peter to sink. Peter caused Peter to sink. So when you step out, when you, when you fulfill the leading, know you're empowered for that task. Know you're empowered for that circumstance. Know you're empowered for that situation.
But guess what? It's going to take faith, right? Because sometimes just witnessing isn't always easy. Amen? Sometimes like, oh, I don't know what they're going to think of me. And da, 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 da. Well, the Lord is going to give you words to speak. He might not give you a sermon like Peter that's going to save 3,000 people, but he's going to give you something to speak to that person. We are saved to do something. We are saved to do something. So next time you're tempted to fear, fight the fear that you won't be able to give that speech, that you won't be able to perform in that play, that you won't be able to have that difficult conversation, that you won't be able to be a good parent. Fight the fear of that because the Holy Spirit has empowered you through Christ to do all those things that he's called you to do. Amen? All those things. And on a very important note, this one I don't really like very well, but it's how he works. My flesh doesn't like it, but it's just how he works, and I've just gotten used to this is how it happens. He'll only empower you at the exact moment that you need it. I don't like that. I'm just going to be honest. I don't like it, but, you know, you know, preaching and learning to preach, I have learned that the anointing doesn't come until I start to speak the first word from here. It doesn't come sooner. And guess what? It's not later either. It's right on time. But you know, it'd be nice if I felt anointed at least coming up to this stage. <laughs> right? And you're like, oh yeah, walking in power. Yeah, sometimes I'm up here, I'm like, right before I speak, I'm like, man, where are you at? <laughs> you going to help me out or, you know, fear. Are you going to leave me hanging? No. No. But when you don't sense anything or feel anything, you know, and like we're not led by feelings and stuff, but we're, I mean, face it, we're emotional feeling beings that we have to, we have to learn to, to navigate and not be concerned about what we feel, but I just wish you would come sooner. You know, it's like, that's, is that, a, but he doesn't work that way. It's always at the exact moment that you need the empowerment. It's always going to be at the exact moment. Always, always, always. And guess what? If I were to come up here and just stand here and wait for it, it would never come. It'd get real awkward, right? <laughs> But what if I was just waiting for him to empower me? You're going to be waiting all day. Y'all be like, this guy's crazy. He got ordained and now he's even crazier. Like, like if I just stood up here and waited? No, 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 no. He's waiting for us. And the moment we start speaking, the moment we start doing, that's when the power comes. That's when you're like, whoa, where did those words come from? Oh my gosh, that person is healed. Praise God. Whatever it is, oh my goodness, that conversation went a lot better than I had pictured it in my mind. Has anybody ever pictured a conversation, how it's going to go? And it ends up going usually way better if you let the Holy Spirit talk through you. Now, we still have to talk just how speaking in the Spirit, he's not going to like just control your mouth and, you know, have you have no part. It's the moment you start releasing faith that he gives you the words to speak. Amen? 
Um, so let's go back to Acts chapter two. I, okay, I'm gonna get to my third point. Yes, woo! Acts chapter two, verse one. Um, and this will just be out of the New King James Xander. Um, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord and in one place. So my last point is, we must be united as the body of Christ to fully walk in the favor of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna say that again in case you missed it. We must be united as the body of Christ to fully walk in the favor of the Holy Spirit. Another way you could word the second half of that sentence in Acts 2.1 is, is that they were of one mind and one place. That means everybody was on the same page thinking the same thing. The atmosphere of unity is the atmosphere that the Holy Spirit works in. You need to write that down if you're taking notes. The atmosphere of unity is the atmosphere the Holy Spirit works in. Ah. So maybe you stepped out and you didn't have the empowerment to do something and you're like, well, why didn't that happen? Check your love walk because more than likely you are not in unity with somebody you need to be in unity with. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Unity. I mean, isn't that what it says in Acts 2.1? They were all in one accord and in one place. It wasn't enough for, just to, for them to just be in one place, right? They were in one accord. They were in one mind. They were thinking the same thing. They weren't thinking about where they're going to go eat for lunch afterwards. They were all thinking about what Jesus had told them. So if they did not create this atmosphere, the Holy Spirit would not have come at that time. They had to create the atmosphere. Did you know we have to create the atmosphere for God to move? Amen? We are atmosphere creators. We have to create an atmosphere for God to move in church, at home, on our job. It's our job to set the atmosphere for him to work in. He's not gonna come in and create an atmosphere of unity. That's our job, right? We have to be sure if we're holding something against somebody that we get it straight with them or that we forgive them, that uh, maybe we need to say sorry. I don't know what it is, but we need to make sure that we're in the spirit and the atmosphere of unity. I think that's probably, and I, I, like I said earlier, I believe it's changing in the church but in the past, I believe that's one of the biggest reasons the church hasn't done nearly as what we're capable of is because we haven't been united. Amen? We bicker, we have, I should say, we have bickered and argued instead of agreeing to disagree, right? And still move forward with the cause. The cause of what? Go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize people, you know, all, all the things the Great Commission says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The, the, the two great commandments and then the Great Commission. That's the cause. And instead, we've been bickering and arguing over things that really shouldn't matter, 
right? I hope you guys have been, um, when Pastor started his series on the gifts of the Spirit, one of the things he told us is to go through 1 Corinthians. Wow. I have been going through 1 Corinthians. It is mind-blowing, the revelation I'm getting out of it. That church had issues. <laughs> that church had issues. They, were, they had disunity issues. They were getting drunk on communion. I mean, they were, it was not good. I mean, if you're getting drunk on communion, you got, we need an altar call for you like right now. Like, come on, like, that's not good. And they were, you know, should we need be eating uh, meat from idols and, and all that stuff? And um, I think even uh, Keith more recently went into this and Rachel and I were listening to a message by him and he brought that up about how they, the, the big issue to them was should we eat meat that was sacrificed to idols? Is that okay? And long story short, Paul pretty much said, well, what is your conscience say? What does your heart say about it? And if you're eating with somebody else who they think that's wrong to do, then don't do it. Why? Because of what? Love. Because of love. There's a lot of bickering and arguing right now in the body of, oh, we shouldn't be doing this, or we shouldn't be supporting that, or we shouldn't doing this. And guess what? That's all a, should be based off our own heart, right? Our own conscience, our own, what's the Holy Spirit telling us? Some people can handle things other people can't, right? But that doesn't give us a right to flaunt what we can do if somebody else thinks that's wrong to do. In fact, we shouldn't do it in front of them. We shouldn't post about it. Oh, come on now to make a point that, oh, I'm okay to do this and blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. That's not love, right? That's not unity. If you're okay to do something or to buy something from someplace, um, that's, that's you, right? That's between you and God. But don't try to force that on other believers. Amen? If you think one streaming service is okay to have, but another person doesn't, like that, is there anything in the Bible that says, thou shalt not watch this streaming service? No, right? It's about this, your heart. Let's stop fighting and, and, and judging other people for matters that aren't important as what the Bible says are important, right? Let's walk in the gifts of the Spirit, as Pastor's been talking about. Let's walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? Let's focus more on the big picture. Because honestly, the more you focus on the big picture, the less time you'll have for everything else anyway. Right? I like um, this quote by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He said, we must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools. Woo. He said, we must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools. Did you know we're doing either one together? Yeah. <laughs> Did you get, like, I don't know. We're going to do either one together. We're either going to be successful together or we're going to go down together. Like, it's one or the other. 
We're either going to live together as brothers or we're going to perish together as fools. Hmm. So the Colorado Avalanche, they won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, anybody pay attention to hockey? Woo! Thank you, Lord. Colorado won something. Praise God. All right. So what if the Colorado Avalanche were not in unity? Would they have ever made it to the Stanley Cup finals? No, absolutely not. What if, what if they argued? What if you know, they bickered? What if the offensive guys wanted to play defense? What if the defensive guys wanted to play offense and nobody's defending the net? What if the goalie decided, man, I need to go get a sandwich and just left the net open? Like, would they have gotten to the Stanley Cup? No. No. So if it's so important for a sports team to be in unity, how much more the body of Christ? Now, does everybody on the team agree about everything? No. But everybody knows their part, and they execute their part. Amen? So maybe you need to ask God, what's my part? What's my part? And then execute your part. And don't worry about somebody else's part, right? Worry about your part. If, you're, if your part's the elbow, don't worry about what the ear's doing. You know, as Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians, if your part is the thumb, don't worry about what the heart's doing. Or, or anything, any part of the body, let's worry, let's, I shouldn't say worry, let's be um, attentive to what our part is. Amen? Let's be more concerned about our function so we can operate properly, the part we're supposed to operate, and let, let's let Jesus and the Holy Spirit work on the other parts. Amen? Let's do our part to make sure when we come together, we're in one accord, we're in one place, and we're in unity. Um, I'm going to close um, go, uh, in Acts 2. Let's go back to Acts 2. I don't think we ever left there, but now we're going to go to verse 37. So this is at the end of the sermon, and you should go back and read um, the sermon at home this week. It's a great sermon. It says, now when they heard this, and this is the people that just heard Peter's sermon. It says they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the, of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? See, um, our, if, uh, how do I say this? Um, if I'm doing a good job preaching, I should prompt you to action. Amen? But it's not just all on me either. If you're properly hearing, you'll be prompt to action. Anytime we come together and hear a message, we should be prompt to action. What shall we do? What's the game plan? Amen? Verse 38, then Peter said to them, this is what you need to do, all right? Repent, change your thinking, change your mind, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, 
and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many that the Lord our God will call. What, what are you going to receive? The gift of the Holy Spirit. Put verse 38 back up. What are we going to receive? The gift of the Holy Spirit. Be like, he was saying, you want to do what I just did? Do this and you'll get the same empowerment. Woo! Do this and we're going to do greater things than this, right? Jesus said, you think these things are cool? Well, you all are going to do greater things than these. I'm believing for greater things, amen? amen? Greater things, greater things. You walking in the favor of the Holy Spirit will and should cause others to want him. Is your life a life that causes other people to say, I want that? Amen? I'm bringing out some challenging things today, but I hope you receive it because time is short, you know? Like, I think we're the generation that gets to bring, that gets to usher Jesus back into the earth, you know? Like, that's a privilege, you know? And if we're not, so what? I'm still gonna do my part, amen? And I believe you're still gonna do your part. The Holy Spirit, he's the gift to the church. He's the promise that's for you. He's your best friend. He's your biggest fan. He's your biggest ally. If you need a pep talk, you need to be talking to the Holy Spirit. He'll pep you up real quick. See, pastor has been talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those gifts are his favor poured out on the church, right? The word gifts, not the ones that's italicized in 1 Corinthians, but I think it's like 1 Corinthians 12, like five or something. There's a, the, the word gifts is not italicized. And that word is charisma. The Greek word is charisma. Well, what's the root of that? Charis. Charis is grace. So they're gifts of grace. They're gifts of favor on the church for us to make a difference. Amen? That's what his gifts are. They're gifts of favor to help people. Not to flaunt our ego. Not to be like, oh, I can walk in seven gifts, huh? <laughs> Who cares how many gifts you can use? They're to help people. And whatever gift you need to help a person, that's the gift you're gonna get. Amen? That's the gift you're going to get. Those gifts are his favor. Poured out on the church so we can make a difference in the world. So I want you to be on the lookout from now on, all right? I want you to be on the lookout, have ears to hear, eyes to see, for when the Holy Spirit wants to empower you for a certain task. See, he's always leading He's always talking. No, I, yeah, I think he is. He's always leading. He's always directing. He's always speaking. But are we listening? Are we listening? He wants to empower you, okay? 
He doesn't want to just lead you. He wants to empower you. His leading has the empowerment to do what he said to do. So what, well, I don't know what that could be. I'm just naming a few things. Maybe it's praying for somebody, stepping out and praying, laying hands on somebody. Maybe it's leading somebody to Jesus. Let's go more practical. Maybe it's fulfilling that task you don't want to fulfill on the job, right? That task that seems too big, that task that seems like I'm not inadequate, I'm too inadequate to fulfill that task or I'm not good enough. No, you are good enough. Jesus made you good enough. He has got, he's got your empowerment on the inside of you. Maybe it's loving your family better. Hello, your fam, all of our families, that's our first ministry. That's all I've told Rachel and we're in agreement. Our family is our first ministry. Our family doesn't come first before God, but they're our first ministry. Even, even uh, uh, the Holy Spirit said through um, Paul in, in first or second Timothy when he's talking about the, um, the requirements to be a deacon, the requirements to be a pastor. I'm paraphrasing the new DJ Sandoval translation, but... It, he's pretty much saying if you can't pastor your family, so what if you can pastor the flock? So what? You're really good at what you do. But if your family's a mess, so what, right? What does it matter? If I can speak so good and prompt you to action and get you to do what you need to do, if my own family's a mess, You know? But guess what? He's empowered us to love our family. He's empowered us to lead our family. He's empowered you to be a good parent. Amen? And maybe you're here today and some of your kids are, you know, maybe you didn't do things right. Or, and at the end of the day, your kids have choices, right? But I'm telling you what, there's power in prayer. There is empowerment for you to pray for your kids. Amen? There's empowerment for you to pray for your kids. And I'm believing, uh, this is for somebody, I'm believing that turnaround is happening in kids' hearts very soon. Your part is to keep praying for them. Your part is to keep loving them. Your part is to not condemn them your part is to show them a better way. Amen? That's your part. So next time they do something that's kind of stupid, tell them who they are. Tell them that they're new creatures in Christ. Tell them you may have done this thing and it's not good, but that doesn't define who you are. You may have done some bad things, but that doesn't define who you are, right? No, nothing can define who we are besides God and who he, who he defines who we are. The question is, are you looking at who you are? Amen? Are you finding out who you are? Man, Mark Hankins preaches so good on who you are in Christ, and sometimes I feel like, man, I've heard this a lot. But if I change my attitude, all of a sudden revelation starts coming out that I have never heard before. It's like, whoa, I, 
knew that, but I didn't believe that. So I'm asking you today to believe God. Put your faith in God. Put your faith in his empowerment. Put your faith in the Holy Spirit, because guess what? We got a lost, dark, dark, dark world that needs us to lighten it up. Amen? All right, let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Father God, Lord, we come to you today. And Lord, we thank you for your empowerment. Hallelujah. Yes, yes, yes. The Lord told me to tell you that this week, even today, you need to go and analyze your life of any person that you're not walking in unity with, that you need to forgive, that you need to repent, maybe even say you're sorry. He said that is the reason some of your prayers have not been answered. That's the reason um, breakthrough hasn't happened. He said, but change your love walk. Repent, receive my forgiveness, and change is gonna happen in that thing you've been praying. Analyze it, and then purpose to never be in disunity with somebody. Anytime the devil brings it up, just rebuke him. Anytime your flesh tries to bring it up, subdue it, crucify it. Father, we thank you, Lord. And Father, we ask you right now, right now, later today, this week, that as we spend time with you, you would reveal to us those things, where we've been not um, walking in love how we should, where we've maybe not been in faith, where we've been relying too much on what we know as opposed to who we believe. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your grace. I thank you, Lord, for all the messages that have been preached on your favor, Lord. And Lord, I just believe that we are gonna be walking in a higher degree of favor for the rest of this year, next year, hallelujah, just from this moment forward, hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Lord, it's your goodness that leads people to repentance, Father. It's your goodness that causes people to change. It's your goodness on our life. And Lord, I'm believing that as we go about our lives, that people will look to us and be like, something's different about them. I want what they have. And Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for the empowerment for that situation. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stay in an attitude of prayer. We never want to close the service without giving people an opportunity to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The fact of the matter is, is if you're not saved and you're not born again, you don't have the empowerment. You don't have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But how Peter said, after the people asked, what shall we do? He said, repent, repent. And then in Rome, the book of Romans, Paul says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart on the third day, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He'll come live on the inside of you. You'll start to get leadings from him. You'll start to get promptings from him. Hallelujah. 
So if that's you and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you don't know for sure that heaven's your home, well, today is the day of salvation. Today is your day. I'm gonna ask you in just a moment if that's you to raise your hand. It's the best decision you could ever make. The best decision. And it will, only, it will not only affect your life, but it's gonna affect people around you because they're gonna start to see you changed the goodness of God on your life. So if that's you and you've never accepted Jesus as the Lord, as your Lord and your Savior, I want you to raise your hand right now. Today is the day of salvation. If you're watching online and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to raise your hand and then I want you to type in the chat, I'm going to do that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'll ask one more time if there's anybody in here today who hasn't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want you to raise your hand. Or maybe this is you. Maybe you have accepted Jesus and you haven't lived like how you know you should. You've been doing your own thing and not doing what he has predestined you to do. If you wanna rededicate your life to Jesus, raise your hand. Hallelujah. I see that, I see that hand, thank you. Hallelujah. Well, you can look up now, church. We got a hand raised, so we're gonna pray, hallelujah. And we're gonna, leave, and we're gonna believe that their life will never be the same, amen? All right, so we can go ahead and stand up. Hallelujah. And so that person's not praying it by themselves. Let's pray it together. Repeat after me. Say, Father God, I come to you today and I repent. I repent for doing my own thing. I repent for going my own way. And I come back to you. I declare you are my Lord. Jesus, you are my Savior. And I affirm my faith that God raised you from the dead for me. Thank you for empowering me. Thank you for saving me. And I purpose to do your will from this moment forward. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, altar ministry workers, if you could come up at this time. You who raised your hand, please come and see the, one of the altar ministry workers. They have a Bible they'd love to give you and um, just pray with you and help you in any way that they can. Yes. Okay. Pastor would like to say something. So as Dominic was teaching, as the Spirit of God was teaching through him, I want you to see something in Job 32, and you can just stay up here, okay? Job 32, uh, Xander, if you'd put on the screen like verse 17 and a few verses after that, Job 32, 17, I'm saying this for a reason, because the Lord wants you to have the best week of your life coming up. Amen, thank you, Lord. And something started in this service, but something didn't finish in this service. The finishing is now what we do after the service. Yeah. Something started. A lot of things get started, but they never grow to fruition. Mm. 
A lot of people here, they take notes, but they never go over those notes. They never talk to the Lord about it. They never engraft it into their life. We hear good sermons, but that's not enough. We take good notes, that's not enough. You just got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I want you to look here. This, this guy was so waiting to speak. And I'm sitting over there. Just this stuff's bubbling in me. And I came to service today to not wait for something to come to me. I decided to go to it. Jesus didn't say, listen, and you'll find. Jesus didn't say, kick back and let words wash over your eardrums and you'll find. He said, seek and you'll find. You and I need to be in the seeking mode when we come to church. One of the best things you could ever invest in is a good notebook and a good writing utensil. Yeah. Let me tell you why. There are things, I guarantee, there are things that were said today to every one of us, either audibly or by the Spirit of God, that we must go talk to the Lord about. And I'm not talking about what excites you to know in. I'm talking about what you need. Yeah. You need to not just go after what excites you. That's like eating sugar only spiritually. And that has side effects later. You need to recognize that when you go to your local church, you're getting something you need, whether it's exciting to you or not. And you need to go back and talk to the Lord. But the, the interesting thing about it is a lot of people are not recording what the Lord's saying. They're relying on memory only. And I mean, even God had it written down. You know, so we wouldn't forget it. And there's things the Spirit of God, I know, spoke to you today. And really, those are the words that will heal you if you attend to them. When he said, my son, attend to my words, incline your ear into my sayings, let him not depart from your eyes, keep him in the midst of your heart. He's talking about revelation, rhema, spoken, anointed word to your heart that you've got hearing a sermon, that you've got in a time of prayer. Yes, we need to do that with the scriptures, but even more so with the alive scriptures that come to you while you're hearing the word of God. It's so important to go over. Jesus told the disciples that came to him after the sermon was over. Everybody say, after the sermon was over. over. He told his disciples, to you guys that come to me after the sermon's over and want to talk to me about what you heard in the sermon, to you it's given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to those that are without, to hear only, it's all like parables. Nice stories, good movie, good sermon, all in the same category. But the Lord said, if you come to me after the service and you come to me after church and talk to me about what you heard in church, unto you is going to be revealed mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Things that will lift you and your people up above the storm. And I heard as you were speaking today about the Holy Spirit, I heard this clearly in my spirit. There are some people in this congregation, you've been trying to be filled with the Holy Ghost, you've been trying to get that level of speaking in tongues, and the Spirit of God said, quit trying. You do it. You need this power in your life. It's not a luxury. It is a necessity to speak in tongues every day of your life. Your future depends on it. And you need to not come to the altar and say, well, I'll try to get filled. You need to come down and get filled. When it's time to get filled with the Spirit, you march down there and you say, dude, you will speak in tongues. God's going to do his part and I'm going to do my part. Yeah, that's good. And you don't wait for something to overtake you. You yield to the power and he helps you. And as you start speaking in tongues, he's right. It's kind of like you said, the grace doesn't come on you until you say, open up your Bible. And sometimes a few seconds after that, Mm -hmm. 
Same thing with speaking in tongues. The power to speak in tongues doesn't come until you speak in tongues. Yeah, that's good. Did you hear what the Lord said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The power doesn't come to speak until you start speaking. You're not going to know what it's like until you do it. Right, that's good. Well, it said here in Job, do you have that scripture, Xander, in Job, did I say 32 and verse 17? This guy is so ready. He says, then I answer my part. I will too. Uh, can you, do you have the King James? There's a reason I'm saying this. Verse 17. I said, I will answer also. This is Elihu talking to Job. My part, I will also show my opinion. Next verse. For I am full of matter. The spirit within me constrains me. He's ready to burst. Go next here, next verse. Behold, my belly is as wine which has no vent. It's ready to burst like new bottles. Next verse. I will speak that I may be refreshed. I will open my lips and answer. And this guy begins to pour out for like three chapters wisdom from heaven. He's the only one the Lord didn't correct. He started speaking things to Job that Job really needed to hear. And one of the things I needed to say to the church here, we taught a while back. Kurt, you, you remarked on this one time. We, we caught, taught on how to get the most out of a church service. You told me you, you thought that was a really good time. It is. A, one of the things you need to do is you need to come to church in the seeking mode. Yeah. You will get way more out of church if you seek instead of just listen. Right. Life-saving things. I got life-saving things for what we're going through. Today, the Spirit of God spoke to me strong. And I would be a fool just to say, I got the feelings and that's all there is. It was a great service. It felt so wonderful. And tomorrow, not apply anything or do anything or say anything. This is a huge deal. Every time Keith Moore starts out faith school, he says, get your Bible and get something to take notes with. Why? Because you're believing God's going to speak rhema to you. Yeah. It's going to go from an audible voice and a printed page to a spoken, audible, anointed word to your heart that if you will do that word, miracles will happen. The days of just coming to church and being entertained like we go to a movie are over, guys. Amen. We're supposed to be getting equipped. The gifts of the Spirit are supposed to be operating. The power of God's supposed to be manifesting. Things are supposed to change. Amen. We're yeah. beyond Amen. excitement here. We're beyond just, oh, that was amazing. We're beyond just inspiration only. We are into changing. Things are changing. They have to. Amen. The pressures of the end times, demon forces are on the move like never before. We got to be built up. This has got to be more than just a weekly thing. We need to live in the realm of glory. We need to live in the realm of awareness of the Spirit of God and grace and empowerment. We gotta live there. Yeah. That's good. Something started today, Amen. but it's not finished. Amen. Finishing it has to do with what happens after the service is over. Yeah. So if you've not been filled with the Spirit, these people that are up here right now, they are prepared. They are anointed to minister to you to receive the infilling of the Spirit, to be born again, to be healed, or whatever you need. So do like Dominic said, come up and utilize these anointed ministers because they're here for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lou, I, after we close, I want you to keep playing. I don't want the CD to go on. Um, how many of you have not been filled with the Spirit? Raise your hand. You can raise your hand. I can't see. It looks like everybody's hands down. So you have not? 
Cool. Well, I want you to come down. I want you to go talk to uh, Tim and Tina. And you're going to get filled today. Amen? It took me... It took me three years of coming to this church before I did. That's stupid. (laughs) I was telling you right now, that's stupid. Because guess what? When you're praying in the Spirit, you're praying perfect prayers. Can't get better than that. So um, if you wish you raised your hand and you didn't, when we close the service, Lou's going to keep playing the piano for a bit. And these guys are going to lay hands on you. And when you get filled with the Spirit your life's going to change. Guess what? You get consolidation. When you're saved, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? He lives on the inside of you. But you receive power when you get filled with the Spirit. And that's that's how Peter was able to preach that message because he got filled with the Spirit. You want to hear? We're almost done. Um, I guess I shouldn't ask because I'm going to say it anyway. Um, There was a comment that I think by the same person that um, Rachel made her uh, her, uh, love money quote. He said, technically, if you're talking biblically, you're not even, um, what's the word, Rach? You're not, um, you are not properly equipped to minister if you don't get filled with the Holy Spirit. Actually, I think he used the word adequate. You are an inadequate minister if you don't get filled with the Spirit. And I was like, oh, that's a little harsh. Like, oh. But the thing is, is wasn't Jesus very specific? He said, you don't do anything until you receive the, Holy, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So um, I encourage you, if you haven't been filled with the Spirit, please come up um, as we close the service. Rachel, you can, do you want me to just close? Wife said, just close. That's when you do what you're told. Amen. All right. So let's close in prayer. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for this service. I thank you, Lord. We will never be the same after this. Um, Lives will be changed in Jesus name. I declare we um, are going to fulfill your purpose this week. It's going to be one of the best weeks we've ever had. And I declare we will walk in the fullness of your favor on our lives in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the donate tab. 